Hi, my name is Maddie Fonline. I am originally from Colorado, but I moved to Ely, Minnesota to become a canoe guide. And over my six summers of canoe guiding, I love going to Paragus to get the gear I need. I shop there quite often since it's the best place to get good quality gear, as well as I send a lot of my other folks, people I guide to Paragus, so they're set for their Boundary Waters trip. Paragus Northwoods Company, find them in Ely, Minnesota, just off Sheridan Street. You'll know them by their loon. We're out here in the Boundary Waters with a team of sled dogs today. We're about to go ice fishing. Anything could happen. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern light. Welcome to episode 88 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm here with Joe Fredericks. Hello, Matthew Baxley. Pleasure to see you and hear you today. Well, yeah, right back at you. What a beautiful winter once again here in the Boundary Waters. We made it through. We're on the other side. It's always a victory. And a bit sad, if I can say so, at least personally speaking. No more tip-ups. No more tip-ups. As the snow melts away and the sun is rising into the sky, the dreams of sprinting after a flag for you (sighs) sort of melt away with that snow. (sighs) This winter had a number of crossovers and overlaps, intersections with the mushing scene right here in our Grammar A community from people who do it every year to some first-time sled dog guides and and around the Boundary Waters. Had a lot of sled dog exposure this year. Indeed. I mean, from Ely to Grand Marais, from the far west side of the wilderness to the far east side, mushing is still a vibrant part of the community and the culture through tourism, through uh, races, And at the heart of that are the mushers themselves and their lives with dogs. And they're all connected to the woods and the water. So on this episode, we're going to talk about mushing. We've got a number of different stories and perspectives to share with you. Let's just jump right in. Hi, my name is Erin Altimus. I'm a musher, among other things, in Cook County. My husband and I have... 30-some sled dogs, and we've been in the county for about 10 years, mushing dogs. Um, I've definitely had some adventures in the Boundary Waters. I was thinking back to when I first started uh, to learn to mush. I was 
at Camp Minogen and they lease dogs. And on some of our training runs, we would, because of course at Minogen, you're right there on the edge of the Boundary Waters, we would take the dogs into the Boundary Waters into Daniels. One time we made the loop from Daniels on the Baby Grand over to Rose and went up Stairway Portage and came back Duncan and back to camp. So that was pretty fun. Up was way better than down for sure. (laughs) (laughs) After Matt and I got our own dogs, after that those Minogen experiences, my parents have a cabin on McFarland and we would haul the dogs up there this was before we lived in Cook County and run the dogs out of that cabin. Um, so sometimes we'd just go into Pine, make a loop. One time we ventured out for the whole day and we went down Pine. We went up that 232 rod portage to Canoe and Paddle Lake through Alder and back around to Moon and eventually to the Pikes and back to McFarland. You can cover a lot of ground with a small team of dogs in the Boundary Waters. If you really want to move fast through the Boundary Waters, that's about as fast as you're going to get. So that was our first time doing portages with the dogs, and we each had a small team. I remember we were going down a pretty steep hill and ran into a tree across the trail. And Half my team started to go over the tree, and the other half started to go under the tree, And that was kind of a mess. (laughs) I think it's definitely easier if there is some kind of track there, you know, whether you're following someone who went in on skis or sometimes the portages have been snowshoed and packed a little bit. That helps. I think certain times a year I just wouldn't go in with a team of dogs because if you're into slush the dogs just struggle it's just not fun Um, but it's been our experience that we've been able to call the dogs right and left and sometimes they'll kind of curve around to the left and curve to the right and if you were to look at our trail from above it'd be a big s just back and forth going down the lake not necessarily a straight line but they do okay you know i grew up coming up here as a kid to that cabin at McFarland and um, boy the wilderness seems so big when you're a kid and even into my teens and leading trips at Minogen in my 20s um, I think the wilderness felt bigger than maybe it does now I love to go into the Boundary Waters and Last year, we took our daughter in for a five-night trip, and it was great. It doesn't really feel as much like wilderness anymore. You know, when you've been to northern Canada and some of these places, there's a lot of people out there, but it's one thing that's kind of neat about taking a team of dogs out in the winter is that there's just no one out there, you know, in the winter. Yeah, you think back to like a hundred years ago in this area, I know there was a lot of mushers kind of running trap lines and um, getting to and from different communities via the lakes um, with teams of dogs. I think it does have a little bit more of that historical feel than it does like if you're out 
just doing training for a, a race or something like that. Definitely a, a deeper aesthetic, I guess. When we were uh, living at Mush Lake, we would often make the trek into Ram with a team of dogs and do some fishing in there. Um, that was fun. One time we made a, I don't think we were fishing, but we just made a trip into Morgan. Like there's about a mile long portage going into there and just found a campsite and hung out, had a little campfire, had lunch, came back out, something to do. (laughs) (laughs) There have been a lot, a lot of trips. I've been on a lot of trips on the Boundary Waters. I've been through the Quetico two times. The first time is 19, and my friend Amy and I were trying to paddle from Gunflint Lake to Hudson Bay, essentially. And we left from Gunflint Lodge there and paddled up the Granite River and went through Quetico on our venture north. We didn't end up getting all the way to Hudson Bay. We made it to Lake Winnipeg and ended up turning around. Uh, But that first time in the Quetico, (laughs) we were so inexperienced. I had this jug of cooking oil that I brought with for all these fish that we thought we were going to catch. And on one of the portages, the jug broke open. And pretty soon, every single bag that we had in our food pack was coated in oil, (laughs) which, as you can imagine, was quite a mess. I just, I remember, you know, the the first dogs that I worked with at Camp Minogen, I mean, of course I had been coming to Cook County for years, but didn't forget those dogs for a long, long time. It was really hard to, to leave that. Um, you know, they were someone else's dogs and they went back to that, to their owners after the season was done, but it was kind of hard to move on from that experience for sure. Each dog just has their own personality and you spend so much time in the winter with each of those dogs. That's kind of like your day-to-day life, you know, just being with them. So you have this relationship with them and then all of a sudden you're not with them anymore and it's just kind of painful. (laughs) You know, scooping poop, the day-to-day feeding, that stuff. I certainly, I would say I don't mind it, and sometimes I even enjoy it, just being out with the dogs. You know, for myself, I work 12-hour days at the hospital, and so the next day if I'm home and just get to be out in the dog yard doing my thing with the dogs, it's definitely my happy place. But yeah, there's a ton of work that goes into it year-round, and uh you know, people, I think people that go on a tour or see the races, they have some understanding of that, but mostly just don't understand why you'd want that, <laughs> I suppose. Most days I, I like talking, the dog talk, I like talking about individual dogs, I like just being out there training dogs. You know, we were on a vacation a couple weeks ago, and then the next weekend something came up, and 
we almost went back down to the cities and I just kept thinking all I want to do is just run dogs like here we are you know it's almost the last few days we can run this season on sleds that's the only thing I want to do <laughs> just be outside I think I struggled with winter until we got into dogs. Now it's what keeps me going every day through the winter. You know, even last December during that blizzard right before Christmas, I hooked up a team of dogs because I thought that would be good training. <laughs> um, but you have to get outside every single day. You have to exercise them. You have to train. You got to feed them. You got to scoop the poop. So I don't know if we'd be up here or not if it weren't for the dogs, you know. After hearing from Erin about her passion for both the Boundary Waters and mushing, I wanted to combine some of that into an outdoor experience of my own. I connected with Linda Newman from Points Unknown, a local business in Cook County, not far from the edge of the Boundary Waters. Linda and her staff take people on guided sled dog tours in and around Superior National Forest. This winter, Linda had two staff members on board helping with the tours. They were Allison Opime and Kate Tender. Both will be heading to law school in the fall, but we're here this winter to essentially experience what it's like living on the edge of the Boundary Waters. We took to the woods and the frozen lakes on one of the final days for ice fishing for the season. Here's part of our adventure. All right, we're here in the Boundary Waters, canoe area wilderness. It's the middle of March, getting to late March now. It's been snowing on and off today. Windy and cold, and there's more snow on the way. And I'm here with, uh, who am I with? Kate Tender, Allison Alpine. All right, uh, so just being out here in the snowy, cold, wintry day in the Boundary Waters, how's this been for you? Uh, it's been really cool. This is only my second time in the Boundary Waters, and the first time was in the fall, so it's cool seeing it in a different in a different light with all the, the lakes being frozen, and this is my first time um, also dog sledding on a frozen lake, so I would say it's been a pretty good day. Yeah, Nice. All right, now let's get to the fishing. Uh, have either of you been ice fishing before? I have not been ice fishing before. Um, I have some friends that are really into sturgeon spearing, so that's my only experience fishing on mm. frozen lakes. Yeah. And you grew up in Wisconsin, Allison? Okay, and you, you've never been ice fishing. Interesting. Uh, Kate, what about you? You've been ice fishing before? Never been ice fishing, but really wanted to this winter just to get the full full Minnesota experience. Yeah. And this is today is your first time? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, we've got a lake trout on the ice. I just missed a really big lake trout i'm kind of still shaking and not quite at all over it actually but what was your thought about this lake trout that we got on the ice well you keep saying we uh you caught the lake trout <laughs> no you reached in the, you, I, like, yeah i pulled, pulled it out, out the vexlar got I, your hands yeah in there. i pulled it out of the hole but um yeah it was i'm excited about the lake trout i'm excited to get it dressed and eat it tonight so mm. i think we had a full like kate said a full minnesota experience today nice and Lake trout are just this, uh, you know, very iconic species of the Boundary Waters. They're not, even in Minnesota, people travel just to come here and catch a lake trout. Uh, what's your thought about seeing one of these fish? 
It's a beautiful fish. Um, I didn't really know what to expect just because I had never been exposed to lake trout before. But yeah, it was beautiful. A lot bigger than I was expecting as well. <laughs> yeah, this one is nice. It's like, I would say a perfect eater, maybe 22 or 3 inches or something like that probably. And that other one that was up to the hole was 28, 27, something like that probably. Yeah, it was big fish. Let's talk a little bit more just about the Boundary Waters and what you knew about it before you came. Uh, so, Allison, you say you're from Wisconsin. And, um, Kate, where are you from? Spokane, Washington. Yeah. So what was your familiarity with just this place, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness? Had you heard about it before you came? Uh, Allison, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, um, so I'm from Wisconsin, but I spent a lot of time in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, so the Boundary Waters are really a big destination for people that like to spend time outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, like just last fall, I had some friends that did a 12-day trip through the Boundary Waters and canoed like 150 miles. Um, so I've always wanted to come up and visit and the opportunity to be up here, live in the area, and get out here and fish with the dogs has been wonderful. Mm, nice. What about you, Kate? What, is your, what was your, you know, uh, vision or just how familiar were you with the Boundary Waters? Uh, Not super familiar. I had a boss in my college job um, who was an outdoor guide, and she ended up coming up here to work for the Girl Scouts um, and was guiding canoe trips in the Boundary Waters. So she raved about it, said it was a beautiful place, beautiful area. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, I hadn't really thought about it much honestly (laughs) until I got to Minnesota and then I definitely knew that I wanted to get out here and see it um just to just to take advantage of the opportunity Mm -hmm. but you've been uh, you're into like the outdoor scene you said you've been backpacking in Colorado and done all kinds of stuff in the Rockies yeah so I was a hiking counselor this past summer and then guided in the outdoors all throughout college just through um Uh, my outdoor program there leading trips for undergraduate students so I love the outdoors and just getting out for fun and it's fun when you can combine it with your job Mm -hmm. nice so this is the first time we've ever had sled dogs on the podcast or talk specifically about using dogs to get in to go ice fishing certainly it's a first for us I mean we've been around some of the sled dog races in previous episodes and so forth but mushing is not something that you just sort of can do on a whim if you don't have a the dogs and then there's like a lot of gear you know specific equipment you need to do this much more than just ice fishing where you you know you can get an auger and a fishing pole and you can kind of do it basically mushing is this whole other level how did you just kind of show up in minnesota and get comfortable doing this like mushing is such a niche thing how how are you doing this um, I have a lot of previous animal experience, so I um, grew up riding horses and give horseback riding lessons in Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, but I really, I think it, you really just have to do it. I know that that's not a great answer, but you really have to like get on a sled and understand how your body feels like throwing your weight around on the back of a sled and how to get out of some of the situations. Like today when we were coming down, one of our sleds got caught on a tree. Um, and that's something that until you experience it, you don't really know how to address it. So I would say you just have to do it, um, in one capacity or another. So yeah. what about you? Like, Kate, how did you just get comfortable doing this? Well, I think it first helped to get comfortable with the dogs and, you know, we're involved in their care daily. So just learning kind of their personalities and their roles on the team. Um, And then I went through Linda's kind of fall training program where we used ATVs instead of the sleds at first. So that was a great way to control the dogs and learn how the team kind of operates. Because when you're on the sled, you have a lot less control. Um, So getting on the sled was a whole other beast because by then 
was pretty comfortable with the dogs but then you know like Allison was saying you have to you just have to kind of get on the sled and feel it out um feel how it moves with your body shifting your weight um and getting around corners and stuff so it's definitely I feel like I'm always learning something every time I go out but it's been really fun Wow. Nice. And at Points Unknown, uh, Linda Newman is the owner. And there's how many dogs in on site? We have 23 dogs. Um, that in, Most of those are Headland Huskies, and we do have a blind Australian Shepherd that lives in the house. Oh, so. yeah, cool. Yeah. So how's it uh, just in general, This like as you're starting to wind down, like in April, you're both going to kind of start going back into other phases of your life. Law school is in, in the works for both of you, it sounds like. And um, has this started to settle in that you've done this because most people are going to live their lives having not done now what you have done. So it has the sort of significance of this all soaked in or is it still kind of the day-to-day grind of it all? Um, I would say it definitely has had its challenges and kind of day-to-day mm-hmm. I'm, as we're winding down, I'm really trying to appreciate um, every minute that I get to spend on a sled and mm-hmm. just, you know, taking that time with the dogs just because I won't be able to see them every day soon. Um, but I'm sure once I leave and I don't have the opportunity to be with the dogs and sledding that it's it's really going to hit. Um, but I've just been really grateful for this opportunity. And I hope looking back, it'll just be some a cool story and maybe something that I'd like to do in the future in a smaller capacity. Nice. What about you, Allison? Yeah, this winter has, I don't think it's really settled in or sunk in yet for me. Um, This winter, it's just been a lot of new adventures. The mushing, um, Points Unknown is fully off-grid as well. So this is my first experience living fully off the grid. Um, Yeah, so I don't think it's sunk in yet, but I'm, like Kate said, I think it's it's going to resonate and sit with me for the rest of my life and everything that I do. And um, hopefully finding new adventures, even when I'm leaving you know, the northern Minnesota area. Mm-hmm. I stay with my friends, as I was saying earlier, and they have, I think, 35 or 40 dogs or something. And I was always just kind of like, I couldn't really even tell them apart. I didn't know. They just seemed like a bunch of dogs, you know. And they were like, no, they all have distinct personalities. We know them all. We relate to them all in totally different ways. Have you had that experience? Yeah, definitely. I think the dogs have just overall been the best part of this and getting to know them and all their different personalities you know I remember when I first got here it was I was intimidated to learn all their names and kind of like you said they looked very similar but after the first few days I was like I can't believe I never was able to tell them apart before they're all so distinct and have wonderful personalities so yeah I'm gonna miss them a lot. Yeah, and these, um, the Headland Huskies that we're working with are just such hard workers. So I think that I've really developed a sense of respect for what they're doing. Um, like today, taking us, you know, probably eight miles at the end of the day and every day we take them out into the backcountry. So, um, yeah, I they all have their quirks and we take that into consideration when we're setting up teams. Like today, we had to weigh a few different factors when it came to um, who gets along with other dogs and if they're eating enough and all these other things. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. But every dog is unique yeah and you're meeting people from all over the world this this winter doing these uh, sled dog tours yeah people come from all over there's a lot of people from um the twin cities that come in kind of this region but then we've had people from argentina mexico um just a bunch of places so it's a cool it's cool to just be able to interact with so many different people and they're all drawn to this experience for a reason so Mm -hmm. that really shines through 
Nice. Well, uh, thanks so much for kind of being a part of this and coming out here. We're going to go fillet the lake trout. Well, first we got to get back to the vehicles, and uh, you know that part of the journey continues, uh, which means the dogs are going to be running back across the lake. It sounds like they're maybe kind of getting a little excited to do that, or they're ready to do that. So we'll get moving, but uh, we'll clean out this lake trout, and then I'm going to have some time on the way out of here to think about that one that I missed, and hopefully I'm back to you know, centered by the time we're back to the vehicles. Uh, But thanks so much, Kate and Allison, for being a part of this and and coming out here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for catching the one fish. (laughs) (laughs) And teaching us how to ice fish. (laughs) Following the outdoor adventure with Kate and Allison and the team of sled dogs from Points Unknown, I wanted to ask Allison a little more about some of her reflections growing up in Wisconsin moving out west, and not necessarily being too familiar with this place known as the Boundary Waters. After spending a winter guiding sled dog tours right near the edge of the wilderness, I checked in to see if this winter has reshaped some of her ideas on what Midwest wilderness is all about. I think you're from the Midwest and you just assume that there's no really outdoor adventure. I mean, I, I imagine you being from Iowa, that you were like, there's not much here. You know, I have to go out west, or I have to go out east, or somewhere down south. You know, it's never, the place you're from never feels like the, it's going to provide that adventure. Um, I mean, but it was the same thing. I didn't know that Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore existed until I started working there, like two years ago. Fire season in Colorado really freaked me out, like really There's something about, you know, I moved all the way out there so that I could be outside. And then you can't go outside because there's ash falling from the sky. Um, So being able to be back in the Midwest and like kind of rediscover this area and what it has to offer in the outdoors has been really cool. And what about um, the Boundary Waters would interest you as far as if you were to choose to ever live in Cook County or Grand Marais? Yeah, I think it... I mean, I, the idea of having something so precious and so well protected and so, I mean, listening to some of your old podcast episodes and talking to how much, you know, talking to people in the community about how much the Boundary Waters means to them. I think it's it's a, a beautiful physical place, but then it, it serves so many important roles for everybody in the area and everyone that's ever visited. You know, some people, I think, go to the Boundary Waters to find silence and to find kind of like refuge from whatever is going on in their life other people might go to you know with friends to celebrate something so i i like the idea of having something that's so important to so many people and so revered and i don't know just like a pristine area of the country like in my backyard would you ever live up here without having dogs like mushing being a part of your life yeah what if you could merge those two things? Because it seems like you really bonded with the dogs and that that became something that wasn't just part of the work mm-hmm. for you. Like, could you merge those two things? Yeah, I think there's um, this this winter, you know, working with the dogs, like in a professional capacity. But then also I've gotten to meet a lot of people that are involved with the Headland Husky Preservation Project. So people that are, you know, active homes that have one or two of the dogs that used to be here or used to be on a team here. Um, 
and a lot of people, you know, I think it's kind of up to you to define how you want to integrate those two different parts of your life. So, I mean, I can see myself having three or four dogs and a small sled and, you know, I've, I've been attempting to get into ski joring unsuccessfully for the most part. It's a little, a little touchy, touch and go sometimes, but, um, yeah, I, I can see myself like living back in the area, um, and just having a small team and being able to go out into the back country or go on frozen lakes and do all that. So I think there's a way it doesn't have to be, I don't know if this is the career choice for me long-term. Um, to be at a sled dog operation. Yeah. Um, mostly cause it's seasonal work. <laughs> it's, you know, there's not really a ton to do in the summer in the off season. So yeah, but I'd like to have a few dogs and a sled and, you know, I think it's just another way to check out the outdoors. And you've been back to the boundary waters mm -hmm. since we went ice fishing mm -hmm. that time. A couple more times already in yeah. just like a week's time. Yeah, a few. I've been trying to get out there as much as I can. I feel like I, I missed out for most of the winter, not knowing that it was right up the arrowhead. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. Hmm. And what about it is it that you like up there? Um, I... My most recent trip, I just took one of the dogs up here um, and just went, like I said, I'm very bad at ski joring, but I enjoy it. So just took one of the dogs up here and we went and ran a little bit on part of McFarland and then kind of towards down towards Pine a little bit as well. So And ski joring is where you aren't on a sled, you're mm -hmm. just on skis and um, yeah. the dogs out front. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing that. And then I think or my most recent trip, I just drove down there after feeding one night and just, um, like we've talked about, I have to make a law school decision soon, which, you know, like, like I was saying, there's so many different roles that the Boundary Waters can play to people. You know, in the last week alone, it's been a place where I have to sit and think about what's important to me and getting, you know, my legal education, but then it's also been a place where I can try something new and exciting. Um, with Kate, you know, before she left, we got to take a team out um, and just a little kick sled and just a team of three dogs. And that was really cool. So it was a kind of a celebration for the end of the season. But then like two days later, it was a way, a place for me to go and sit and think about, you know, the next few years of my life and what that looks like. So, hmm. yeah. So what about wilderness is it that interests you as opposed to some kind of sports event in a big city or something like why does wilderness interest you and make you want to go to a place mm -hmm. um i so i grew up in a uh farming community in wisconsin so i think that there's always been a you know the the land has always something that's felt really grounding to me um you know in that being in, you know, like a, a county that produces mostly corn and soybeans. Um, it was more, you know, you could tell the time of year and you could understand how the community was doing as a whole based on the, the land itself. So I think from a really early age, I've always felt a, a connection, maybe not, you know, not these stunning vistas that I got out in Colorado and these pristine lakes that I'm getting here in Minnesota, but still, I think there's something about just spending time outside that makes me feel, you know, like gets back at the core of who I am as a person. So, And yeah. about having a friend mm -hmm. to share that with, you know, mm -hmm. it's like if I, if Matthew didn't live here, would I be 
so excited about these experiences in the boundary waters if i didn't have a buddy to to share it with and you know tell my stories too when he's not there and vice versa so that's something to think about too is Mm -hmm. that the shared experience of the Mm -hmm. stories that happen is is part of it too yeah i mean like you know like i said the last tuesday before gate left friday um and we just got to just her and i we just took our two cars out in this a team of three dogs and I got to ski door for the first time while she was there and we just like stopped at the Narrows on McFarland and had lunch and fed the dogs hot dogs um yeah and it was really I mean we talked a lot about this winter and we're already like making plans where we're gonna see each other next so I think there I think you're right there's yeah I think the place that you are is very important but then also the people you share it with is maybe even more important Well, Matthew Baxley, it begs the question, when are you going to be getting involved with a sled dog tour? Well, you know, the first year I moved up here, there were dogs at the uh, lodge that I worked at. And whenever the musher would uh, have to go back home, which was, you know, hours away, I'd be on sled dog duty. Wow. And picking up the poo and doing the feedings and letting different ones run around at different times, getting their exercise. I never got to actually, I I did get to go on the sled a few times with the musher, Mm. but it was definitely one of those things that captured my heart up here. And I actually haven't been out since, except some training runs with a four-wheeler in the spring and fall. So I think I'm feeling pretty inspired to get back out there soon as that snow starts flying again. I had somebody this winter for the first time bring to my attention or consideration getting a couple dogs. They don't have to be racing dogs, just a couple dogs could go canoe camping and so forth. But in the winter to pull a sled, because we can't always be, how many more years are we going to be able to lug those heavy sleds across, you know, miles and miles to where we like to go ice fishing. So Joe, you get a couple dogs, a great company, they're fun around camp. And then in the winter, they'll pull you out there. You mean like scajoring? Yeah, but like a two-dog team, basically. Yeah, where they, they attach to you and you attach to the sled? Or would you attach them directly to the sled? They'd be to the sled. It'd be a look just like the teams do in the races, except it's just two dogs and, and a, maybe 100 pounds of gear. This could be game-changing for you, Freddie, especially because you're getting kind of (laughs) old. I will say the sled in late March was feeling all right. I mean, you get stronger. I've explained it to you. It's training. Everything's leading up to that final weekend (laughs) in late March. (laughs) It's right then. You're like, I can go anywhere. And Um, you kind of can. You've been pulling that big sled around with ice fishing gear. You can. (laughs) Specifically you. (laughs) But, you know, in 10, 15 years, plus it just sounds really fun to have some dogs along for the journey. And you could go a little bit further maybe, stay a little bit later in the day if you want to do a day trip. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. You just got to take their food. Take their water. Well, I guess you don't take water, but take their things. Mm -hmm. But you get the right dogs. I think there may be some changes in your future, Joe Fredericks. I'm open to it. We're going to see what happens in winters to come. And just remember, we always want to hear your stories. So if you got sled dog stories in the Boundary Waters, we want to hear about them. Uh, Our minds are being blown. Hopefully your minds are being blown. And if you got stories that are going to blow everybody's mind... 
send them our way. BWCAPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always for listening. I just sing when I paddle through. Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're gonna get through to the other side. Out in the night, the waves beat the shore. You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar. Roll me, rock me in my dreams. You can roll me, rock me in my dreams. So I like to sing, I love to dance. I play the fool if I got the chance. All around the campfire light. All around. Campfire light all round, all round, all round the campfire light.